Hey, Vibe City Chapel, I'm so grateful that we are able to connect with you right where you are in your living room, in your bedroom, or even in the kitchen, where you have the opportunity to experience Vibe at home. Uh, I, I think it's amazing how something would catch us off guard, how God has a way of using that to challenge us, to push us into the next level. Because if you remember just a few weeks ago, we just relaunched our church right here in the city of Miami. And right now we are expanding our territory through the avenue of social media and the web into the world. Church, I want to let you know that we are praying for you during this time. And just because our building is closed, that does not mean that the church is closed. Because remember, you are the church. So in addition to me as your pastor praying for you, I want us to be intentional about praying for one another, calling one another, texting one another, checking in with one another, and seeing how your brother or your sister is doing. Today, as we dive into our message I want you as our E-Line community to be able to engage with me in this message. So comment, let me know how something is resonating with you. Send a text, send a heart, send a like so that I know that you're connecting with what we're discussing here this, um, this morning. Today, I want to use as a title for our message, Experiencing God in a Season of uncertainty. Experiencing God in a season of uncertainty. I believe that all of us today can agree that these past few weeks have been extremely crazy. As, as we think about all that has transpired throughout these past few weeks, throughout these past two weeks, just think about it. Even just starting with today, as I can see, take a look at what's going on right now, right now, the seats in the church are all empty. But one thing that encourages me is that yet as a church we have gathered together, God's mission is still being executed throughout the world. There is a plague, there is a virus that has entered our ecosystem, our human system, a virus, a new corona virus, COVID-19 has hit our world like a comet, and the results have been devastating. Starting from China, it has now become a pandemic hitting every continent in the world. Truthfully, we thought that our health professionals could have handled it. We thought that our government could have prevented it from coming to us. But now, church, we are told that we don't know when or how this will even turn out. Family, church, we're living in uncertain times. As you can recall, just a few weeks ago, schools were canceled. The NBA game was canceled, canceled its season. MBL ended, ended its spring training before spring ever arrived. The government is requesting social distance to avoid large crowds. <laughs> Guess what? And even my favorite Chinese restaurant on 7th Avenue told me the other day they will be temporarily closing down. I love that Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Oil prices are dropping. Stocks are going down. 
The United States this week declared a national emergency. And, and, and guess what? Guess what? On top of all of that, there's a shortage of toilet paper. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me, but there's a shortage on to of toilet paper in the midst of everything else that's going on. Church, I want us to really think about these questions I want to look at this morning, I want to look at today. While you're at home, I want you, us to think about this together. First question I want to think about and look through today is, what do you do when you find yourself in uncertain times? What do you do when you find yourself in uncertain times? Or even think about the question, how should we respond in a world where many are facing fears, crisis, panic, and trials? Or even as a believer, as a Christ follower, what is our response as followers of Jesus Christ? What is our response as followers of Jesus Christ? So today, with the next few minutes that I have you online, I want to look through a passage, which is Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 44. Acts 16, verse 16 to 44. If you're not familiar with this passage, I want to summarize it for you. In this passage, there is a lady who has an evil spirit, but also has the ability to predict the future as well. Now, now the Bible goes on to say that she was a slave, and her owners were leveraging her fortune-telling ability, really to, 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 to make a profit off of her, basically using her gift for their own gain. And this lady was following Paul and Silas around the city for several days, and she was shouting, these men are the servants of the Most High God. They are telling you how to be saved. Like, they, she was literally shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they are telling you how to be saved. Now, if you really think about this, this was really free advertisement for Paul. But Paul, he reasoned and he concluded that he did not want the devil promoting him, even though it was free. So one day, Paul got fed up and he turned towards her and he freed this lady. He set this lady free. He cast the demon out of her and showed her what she could get for herself. Paul wanted this lady to see there is a life outside of being used and controlled by other people. And so now when her masters tried to use her and control her like they used to do before, they realized that it no longer works. Want to know why? Because church, when God breaks what has been holding you back for your entire life, it has how it used to affect you, how it used to control you, how it used to destroy you, how it used to damage you, that no longer has power over you. You got to understand, when God breaks what was holding you, the way that it used to hold you, the way it used to control you, the effects it used to have on your life, it no longer has that effect because God has broken its power over your life. And so when you begin to live out your purpose after you have been set free and no longer serve the purpose of, the, of those who try to 
try to use you and abuse you for what they can get from you, it frustrates them. It, it angers them because they can no longer control you like they used to control you before. So these slave masters, they go about town and they're looking for Paul and Silas. They finally find them and the Bible says that they dragged them to the authorities in the city. They stripped them of their clothes and began to beat them severely. They were bruised and they had wounds. They were bleeding. Their internal organs were no doubt damaged. And after beating them severely, the Bible says that they were placed in an inner jail cell where they were chained and their legs were, were, were shackled together in this dark and cold prison room. And I believe that it's in the midst of Paul's difficult and challenging season that we can learn how to respond during difficult times, difficult seasons in our life. Family, today I believe that we can get at least four right responses during uncertain times as we look at Paul and Silas's experience in prison. Now, now, I, I want to make sure that I'm clear and that we understand and that we're, we're looking at this in the right way. I want to make sure that we get the right responses and that we don't default to the wrong responses during these uncertain seasons and times of our lives. Because understand this, there's always a wrong response that you can give and there's always a right response that you give. But understand, the response that I give will always dictate the results that I get. I'll say that again. The response that I give will always dictate the results that I get back into my life. Now, these responses, as I state them, they will sound simplistic in nature, but I guarantee you, if we follow them, if we follow through with them, they will yield the results that we're looking for. So we're talking about the, making the right choices during a season of uncertainty. How do we respond as Christians? Number one, the first response we must, the first response or the first choice that we must make is that we must choose faith over fear. We must choose faith over fear. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it reads, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Who were they singing hymns to? They were singing hymns to God. They were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Church, understand, Paul and Silas, they chose to focus on God in a difficult season. And I want to note, notate this and make sure this is clear, is that it really would have been easy for them to focus on their fears. It really would have been easy for them to focus on their circumstances. It really would have been easy for them to focus on the uncertainties in their life. It really would have been easy for them to focus on what they did not have control over. They could have spent their entire time while they were in prison just thinking about their challenges, talking about their beatings, about their sufferings, about why this is unfair, focusing on their difficulties. And if they did that, their hearts would have been filled with fear. Because guess what? What you feed grows, and what you starve always dies. Vive family, 
I want us to understand that you can easily get consumed with the headlines throughout this week because there is so much bad news that's going around. And when you allow yourself to get consumed and your heart to be filled and your mind to be overwhelmed with all the news that is spreading, this will cause an increase of fear to, to, to occur in your life. Or you can choose to be consumed and filled with the promises of God. So today, I want to encourage you to stay informed because I believe it's wise to be informed. Thank God you have a mind. Thank God you have a brain. Thank God you can stay informed with what's happening around in the world. But I want us to understand that there is a difference between staying informed and being inundated by the headlines of, of the day. I'll repeat that again. There is a difference between staying informed and being inundated by the headlines of the day. So get this, you get to determine how much this information that you're taking in, how much it will impact your thoughts, how much it will impact your feelings, how much it will impact your actions, how much it will impact your overall mindset. You get to choose where that line is drawn between the information that you get and if it becomes inundated to you. So my challenge to you today is to not only be informed with what's going on around you, but also be inspired. Yeah, be inspired by what God wants to do in your life during this season, during this moment, during, this, during the things that are going on right now in your life. Allow God to consume you, to fill you up with his word, to fill you up with his promises, to fill you up with what he wants to um, instill into your life. Which means that you've got to lean into God's word. You've got to lean into God's will. And this will allow you to live a life of faith instead of a life of fear. If you can look with me in your Bibles, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17, it reads, So then, faith comes by hearing. And guess what? So does fear. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the Word of God. In other words, it's all dependent of what you're hearing. What you're hearing will determine if it's faith that's building up or if it's fear that's building up. If you're going to choose faith over fear, you must fill yourself up with the Word of God. Feed your faith and starve your fear. How? By consuming God's Word. Reading the promises of God over your life. There's, there's a passage that I, I, I love and it reminds me of the promises of God over our lives. And that's Psalm 91. If you could take a, take a look at that, Psalm 91. I'll be reading from the message translation, and it states, You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you, and I'm safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arm fend off all harm. 
fear nothing. Church, I want you to catch this today. Wherever you are right now, in your home or in the car, wherever you are, understand this, that when you spend time in God's presence, you don't need to fear. When you spend time in God's presence, you don't need to fear. Why? Because God gives you rest. (laughs) When you spend time in God's presence, you don't need to fear because God gives you rest. Understand, rest in the Bible, it does not mean that everything is going well. It does not mean that everything is smooth. No, no, no. But what it means is that what's, what's on the outside has no impact, cannot destroy what's happening on the inside of me. What's happening on the outside, when I receive my rest from the Lord, it cannot affect what God has instilled on the inside of me. In other words, I can function in my reality because the presence of God is designed to bring me peace on the inside. I can go about and do what I need to do, even though there's chaos happening all around me. But because I receive the rest from the Lord, He brings peace into my life. I can go about my day in the midst of everything that I'm going through because God gives me an eternal peace that holds me, that's sustains me in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the chaos. God sustains me when I rest in him. So you don't have to fear. The psalmist continues, he says, fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpse. Here it is. Let me explain what the psalmist is saying right here. The psalmist is saying, psalmist is saying, He's aware that the unseen forces will rock your world sometimes, just like the virus has taken charge of our reality. Because because there will be things that catch you off guard, but things that catch you off guard, things that you did not expect, things that you did not plan for to, 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 to take place. But you've got to understand, just because I did not plan for it, that does not mean that God is unprepared for it. Oh, man, just because I did not plan for it, that does not mean that God is unprepared for it. Just because I did not detect it, that does not mean that God cannot protect me from it. Oh, man, that's so good right there. Just because I didn't detect it doesn't mean God can't protect me from it. The psalmist continues. He continues to encourage us to choose faith over fear. Even though you see fear all around you, he's saying choose faith over fear. He continues and he says, yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own home, evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. In other words, what the psalmist is saying here, to put it into context for us, in other words, this virus may have you wondering about your safety. It may have you thinking, 
is there a place that I can go? They say, I can't go there, I can't go um, over here, I can't go to this place, I can't go to that place. But the psalmist is saying, basically, when I hold on to my faith, oh my God, when I hold on to my faith, that means I let go of my fears. But when I hold on to my faith, the psalmist says, I realize that when I don't have a place to go, I've got a person that I can go to. My God, when I don't have a place that I can go, there's a person that I can go to, a person who keeps me safe, a person who brings me peace, a person who can make me feel secured, a person who makes me feel safe. That person is no other but God. God God is the one who calms my fears and, and, and um, takes away my worries. God is the one who keeps me in perfect peace when I put my mind upon him. God is the one who, who, who brings his peace that surpasses all understanding. God is the one who preserves my going out and my coming back in. In other words, choosing faith over fear is choosing God every day over the circumstances of your very day. Oh, man, that's so good right there. Choosing faith over fear is choosing God every day over the circumstances of your very day. So we're talking about making the right choice during a season of uncertainty. The first choice you got to make is choose faith over fear. The second choice you've got to make is choose prayer over panic. Choose prayer over panic. Let's take a look. Still in Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I, I, I love this right there. This is so encouraging. Paul and, this, Paul and Silas decided to pray instead of panic. <laughs> Paul and Silas decided to pray instead of panic. You see, because it's very easy to go into panic mode during difficult times and uncertain seasons in our life. Panic is really our default as humans. Panicking about the coronavirus, panicking about the economic season, panicking about the loss of a job, panicking about a situation in our family, panicking about our finances. Church, you got to understand this. The truth is you can pray or you can panic. That's right there. You can pray or you can panic. But if you're not praying, then you're panicking. If you're not praying, then you're panicking. Because our natural tendency is to go into panic mode before we go into prayer mode. That's, that's it. That's it. That's our natural tendency. Go into panic mode before we go into prayer mode. So right where you are, in your living room, I want to encourage you. That no matter how difficult life seems, how challenging life can be, I want to encourage you to pray instead of panic. Let's look at this further. Let's look at Philippians 4, verse 6. This is good. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Family. If it's a thing that you can or cannot see, God says you don't have to have anxiety over it. If it's a thing, God says you don't have to stress about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in everything seen or unseen, 
by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, this is right here, this is right here, you got to write this down. In other words, the easiest way for you to not stress, for you to not worry, is to remind yourself in every situation that God is God and I'm not. <laughs> remind yourself in every situation that God is God and I'm not. You see, when you remove yourself from the role and from the position of acting and trying to be like God, then that allows you to take the load off, to take the heaviness off, to take the weight off your back. That allows you to unload everything because you got to a point where you say, I am not God, He is God. So you take it off your back, unload yourself, and you put it at the feet of Jesus. Let me ask yourself a question. Have you prayed at least a third of the time that you've talked about this coronavirus this week? Ha have you unloaded the overwhelming weight that is attached to this virus that we're all talking about? Have you unloaded the, the, the stress that is attached to this virus? Have you gotten to a point where you said, I'm not going to allow this to weigh me down, to weigh my family down, to weigh my life down, but I'm going to hand it over to Jesus because he knows best. And family, the moment you begin to unload yourself of this heaviness and this weight, verse 7 says, the peace, that's when the peace, when you unload yourself, that's when the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all things seen and unseen, will guard your heart and your mind. Where? In Christ Jesus. In other words, family, prayer not only protects us from everything around you, but prayer also fills you with the peace that you need on the inside. The, the, the peace that you need in your mind. The, the peace that you need in your heart. The peace that you need in your soul. The, the peace that you need in your spirit. The peace that you need. Prayer fills you up with the peace that you need. And, and family, this is the thing. I, as your pastor, I stand here today. I have peace. Mm-hmm. I have peace. The reason why I have peace is because I'm praying. That's it. The reason why I have peace is because I'm praying. It's not because I know anything. It's not because I had a private conversation with the, with the president. No, no, no. The reason why I have peace is because I'm praying. And if you're praying, you'll have peace as well. Because we got to understand this prayer has this way of opening us up to everything that's in Christ Jesus. That, 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 that's what the verse says. The verse says, he will guard your heart and mind, where? In Christ Jesus. So, so, so here, here what's here's, here's what's happening. So now, when, as I'm praying, I'm exposing myself to who God is. I'm exposing myself to what God can do. I'm exposing myself to what God has done. I'm exposing myself to what God will do. And that brings me peace because it allows me to get closer to him, to know him better, to be in relationship with him. And that brings me peace. So this is why 
I'm confident that the same God that saw us through everything in history past, I'm confident today, church, that he will see us through this season. Why? Because I'm exposed to the faithfulness of God through prayer. Oh, man, man, man. I'm exposed to the faithfulness of God through prayer. We're the same God that I believe that got people through the pandemic of leprosy in the 11th century will get us through this. The same God that helped people through the Black Death in 1350, in 1350 or the Columbian Exchange in 1492, which included the smallpox, measles, and the bubonic plague. The same God that saw people through the Great Plague of London in 1665, the cholera pandemic in 1817. The same God that saw people through the Third Bubonic Plague in 1855. The same God that saw people through the Fiji Measles pandemic in 1875, the same God that saw people through the Russian flu in 1889, the Spanish flu in 1918, the Asian flu, the Asian flu in 1957, and through HIV and AIDS in 1981, the same God that saw us through all those things, I believe he can see us through this right now. But you've got to pray, church. You've got to believe that if he did it before, he can do it again. You've got to believe that as you pray, he'll fill you with the peace that you need to let you know, baby, I've got this. Baby, I'm going to take care of you. I took care of your ancestors. I took care of your grandparents. And I will take care of you today. This did not surprise God. God was not, um, was not, was not surprised by this. God says, I've got this under control. We've got to trust God. And the best way to trust him is to pray. And believe if he did it before, he can do it again. Let's continue. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, as you pray, as you lean on him, as you trust him. Understand, if as you trust him, as you pray, he doesn't just give you some joy. He doesn't just give you some peace. No, no, no. He gives you all the joy that you need. He gives you all the peace that you need. In other words, you will never be lacking in joy. You will never be lacking in peace as long as you trust God. As long you stay in close proximity to God. As long as, as you put your, your trust and your faith in God. And when you do that, the verse continues and says, so that you may overflow with hope. <laughs> when you trust God, he overfills you with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, pray, don't panic. Pray, don't panic. So we're talking about making the right choice during a season of uncertainty. So number one, choose faith over fear. Number two, choose prayer over panic. Number three, choose worship over worry. Choose worship over worry. Notice here, Acts, we're still in Acts 16, 25, and it reads, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were singing hymns to God. If you really think about this, this is crazy. Like, like this, this makes no sense. These men, they were severely beaten, they're bleeding, they're wounded, they're chained, and they're unable to move. 
But instead of worrying about what will happen, what might happen, what do these men do? They begin to worship. They choose worship over worry. But guess what? Continue reading the Bible. The Bible says that as they began to worship, oh my God, the chains begin to fall off their legs. The prison doors swing right open. And what I want us to understand from this is that as you worship, you will realize, church, worship works. Woo! You will realize that as you worship, worship works. And this is completely different than what many of us have, 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 have experienced. Because for many of us, we worry. But when you worry, you work. When you worry, you work. But when you worship, you sit back and you watch God work. <laughs> when you worry, you go to work. But when you begin to worship, you lift up the name of Jesus. God says, oh, there's a mission for me. Oh, there's something for me to do. Oh, I've got to go on to work. Church, we've got to understand that right now in the season that we're in, worry is looking for a crack to come into our lives. Worry is looking for a crevice to come into our lives, to penetrate our minds, to penetrate our hearts, and to drain you of all the energy that you need for today. And many of us have found ourselves or is finding ourselves where we are worried about everything around us. Worried about the virus, worried about the stock market, worried about the economy, worried about our jobs, worried about the future. Miles Monroe says this, worry is the most useless human activity on earth. Check this out, he continues. All it changes is your blood pressure. <laughs> worry is the most useless human activity on earth. All it changes is your blood pressure. Church, we got to understand worry has no positive effect at all, no positive impact in our lives at all. Here, let me back it up with Scripture, Luke 12, 25 to 26. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? In other words, right here, Jesus is saying, just because worrying seems like the easiest thing to do, that does not mean it's the most productive thing to do. That does not mean that it is a productive thing for you to do because it adds no value to your life. As a matter of fact, worrying makes your life worse. So let, let, let him, let Jesus bring the productivity that you are looking for, the productivity that you need. Church, we've got to worship, not worry. So while Paul and Silas are going through one of the most difficult and challenging times and seasons in their lives, they're sitting in the prison cells and even though they did nothing wrong, they chose to worship, not to worry. They chose to worship, not worry. I love what the psalmist says here, Psalms 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord in good times. Mm -mm. Checking if you're sleeping. I will bless the Lord when everything's going my way. Mm -mm. I will bless the Lord. When the coronavirus is over, 
No, 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 no. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually, continually, continually be in my mouth. So, 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 so we have to be people that knows how to bless the Lord at all times, in the good times, in the bad times, in the average times, in the healthy times, and during the virus seasons. When the market is up, I will bless the Lord. When the market is down, I should bless the Lord. I should be able to bless the Lord at all times. Vice City family, I don't want us to let what's happening around us to steal our praise. I don't want you to let what you read in the newspaper to, to, to rob you of your praise. I don't want to, for you to let what, you, what you're watching on CNN and Fox to dictate your praise, to diminish your praise. As a matter of fact, right where you are in your living room, right where you are in your bedroom or in your kitchen, just lift up your hands and says, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. you got to start practicing worshiping God right where you are. Don't get uncomfortable, but you got to start right where you are. Start giving God the praise and the glory that he alone deserves. Another translation, excuse me, another verse, Psalm 22, verse 3. It says, God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits. It means that he dwells, he, he lives in the midst of his praise, in, in the midst of the praises of his people, in the midst of those who are worshiping his name. So, so a reflective question as I was studying uh, that came to mind as, as I was looking at this passage, a, a question that we must ask ourselves is, if God is inhabiting our praises, then who is inhabiting our complaints? <laughs> Let me repeat that again. If God is inhabiting our praises, then who is inhabiting our complaints? Whose presence are you inviting when you worry? Oh, man, maybe you've got to get to a point where you shake that worry off of you. And the best way to shake that worry off of you is that you go into a worship, even though the kids are there, you go into a worship, you're at home by yourself, you go into a worship, you're quarantined, you go into a worship, you're with your family, you're, you're, you're helping your kids do their homework, you go into a worship, but you must never allow worry to overwhelm you, to overtake you. And whenever you feel like worry wants to slip right in, you begin to lift your hands and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Another translation of this, it also says that God enthrones the praises of his people. Oh, I, I, I love this, this translation here. It says, God enthrones the praises of his people. And all that really means, as, as I begin to study this, it means that God never shows up empty-handed. <laughs> it means that God never shows up empty-handed. When, when his name is being lifted up, when he is being worshipped, God comes into your presence and he brings his kingdom. He brings his kingdom and he releases the reality of his kingdom into your circumstances. He releases his peace into your life. He releases his joy into your life. He releases comfort and assurance into your life when you begin to worship and lift his holy name.
So church, what we need to do in our city, what we need to do in our state, what we need to do in our nation, what we need to do in this world is to begin to worship and lift up the name of Jesus so that the presence of God can begin to fall upon us and begin to touch lives and touch hearts wherever they are. Which means that family, you and I, we've got, to, we've got to get to a place that in the midst of this season that we are in, we are blessing the name of the Lord. We are lifting up the name of Jesus. We are worshiping God with everything that we have. So we're talking about making the right choice during a season of uncertainty. We said, number one, you got to choose faith over fear. Number two, prayer over panic. Number three, choose worship over worry. And lastly, choose service over selfishness. Oh, this is good. Choose service over selfishness. Acts 16, verse 27, we're going to end with this here. The jailer woke up. Did, did, did you just read that? Acts 16, 27. The jailer woke up. Like, get this, this is after the chains have fallen off of Paul and Silas. This is after the prison doors have opened. The jailer was asleep in the midst of all of this. And then the jailer wakes up. The jailer wakes up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Family, understand this. Here it is. Paul and Silas, they've just been beaten and wounded. But they decided to worship and pray. And because they worshiped God, because they prayed unto God, God's presence came into the very place that they were in. And because God's presence was right where they were at, the chains that was on them came off. The prison doors opened wide. But instead of running off, church, they stayed. They stayed. And they shouted over to the jailer, hey, hey, wait, no, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. Now, I was thinking about this. As, as, as comfortable as you are right now in your home, some of you, you have your pajamas on. For many of us, if we were in this position, as soon as the shackles came off of you, as soon as the prison doors opened up, for, for, for many of us, we would have saw this as an interpretation of God saying, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. We got to go. This is your opportunity. This would have been the moment that we believed in miracles, signs, and wonders. You would have saw the jailer and you would say, hey, all right, I'll be praying for you and your family, and you would have went right off. But family, I want to catch what takes place here, what happens here. Though Paul and Silas had the opportunity to run away, they decided to serve Stay and serve and not be selfish, not think about themselves, but they stayed instead of running off. Continue off into the verse, verse 30. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, 
what must I do to be saved? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. did you guys just read that? Your, your Bible's not open. Did you just read that? The jailer asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wait, you mean to tell me? In the midst of a difficult situation, a challenging moment, a painful moment, and unfair circumstances, uncertain times, people could still be saved? You mean to tell me that when chaos is going all around you, God is still working in the lives of people who are close to you? The passage continues, verse 31. They replied, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in this, in this house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Listen to this right here. The verse continues. The jailer was filled with joy. Why? Because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Wow, 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 wow. Family, when the jailer saw that the cell, the jail doors were open, he thought his only thing to do was to take his life. He thought it was the end of him. He thought his only option was suicide. But Paul shouted, no, there's another option. No, there's another way. No, we did not decide to leave. We are here. Paul and Silas decided to stay to serve the jailer and his family. And because of that, the jailer and his entire household were saved. Church, this is it. This is the truth right here. The church's finest hour has and will always be in times of crisis. That's it. It will always be. The church's finest hour will always be in times of crisis. If we choose service over selfishness, God can use us in the midst of this season. Use us to lead people into a relationship with him. Church, this is not the time for us to shrink back and hide. This is not the time for us to panic. This is not the time for you to buy all the toilet paper in the stores. But hear me clearly. Make sure, I want to make sure that I'm coming across correctly. I'm not asking for you to be unwise. Wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer. As a matter of fact, yeah, use, wash your hands first, and then use the hand sanitizer. If you're elderly, be wise. Be careful. If you're sick, be mindful of who you, you are around. Understand, I'm not asking for us to be unwise. All I'm just saying is that I believe that God wants to leverage this season, leverage this moment for the church to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe that this is an opportunity even for us as a church. We were simply only ministering here in Miami. 
And now, as the season has entered into our lives, now we are ministering throughout the world. This is an opportunity, church, because people are looking for hope. People are looking for answers. People are looking for peace. They just don't know that what they're looking for has a name, and that name is Jesus. Family. What I'm calling for us to do is to be just like Paul and Silas. It's to be aware of the opportunities that God is placing in front of us. Aware of the opportunities for us to choose faith over fear. Aware of the opportunities for us to choose prayer over panic. Aware of the opportunities to choose worship over worry. Aware of the opportunities to choose service over selfishness. During this season, there are so many opportunities that God is going to present to you and to myself. My challenge to you as we continue to listen to the news and be mindful of what's going on, that we would be mindful also of what God is doing in us, but also around us. Let me pray. Lord God, here we are as your children. You were aware of all of this before it came into being. And God, I'm asking, Lord, because you were aware of it, that today you would give us the assurance, oh God, that you are with us. You are walking with us. Remind us every day, oh God, that there are some choices that we are going to have to make and we need to be intentional that they are the right choices.